Hello again, this is Edwin Crozier, and I want to thank you for joining the Franklin Church of Christ and for joining me in this study of God's Word. Do you remember the time when God sent fiery serpents against the Israelites because of their rebellion? That situation parallels our own. We also have a fiery serpent that is after us. Today, as we study God's Word, I pray that this lesson will bless you as we learn how to overcome that fiery serpent. How many of you like snakes? One, two, okay. Man, I can't stand snakes. I am scared to death of snakes. I have actually touched one once, but it was a hideous experience. Therefore, when I turn to Numbers chapter 21, beginning at about verse 4, I find a passage that makes a very strong impact on me. In Numbers chapter 21, beginning at verse 4, Then they set out for Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Eden. And the people became impatient because of the journey. The people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this miserable food. The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. So the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned because we have spoken against the Lord and you. Intercede with the Lord that He may remove the serpents from us. And Moses interceded for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a standard, and it shall come about that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, he will live. And Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on the standard, and it came about that if a serpent bit any man, when he looked to the bronze serpent, he lived. To me, this is one of the most frightening experiences in all of the Scripture. I just can hardly imagine being one of these Israelites back in this time to know that there are sin-seeking snakes out there that are coming to get all of us who rebelled against God. It's just absolutely terrifying to me. And even more terrifying is that when they asked God to remove them, He didn't do it. We're going to get bit. But He gave the remedy. This whole situation is very parallel to our lives. They're not necessarily snakes sent by God to come attack us, but we recognize from Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9 that there is, in fact, a fiery serpent who is after us. In Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9, it talks about our enemy. It says, the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old who is called the devil and Satan. The serpent is after us. And we want to overcome it. As we examine what happened in Numbers chapter 21, I believe we find four very interesting parallels between their situation and ours as we strive to overcome the fiery serpent. Before we examine those parallels, would you bow with me, please? God and Father in heaven, we pray that you be glorified. We recognize that you are worthy of praise and glory and honor and blessing. 
fame and victory and honor comes from You. Every good gift is from You, Father, and we thank You for the blessings You've given us. We thank You for this beautiful day we're enjoying. We thank You for this great week that we've had and the time we've all been able to spend with family and with friends, enjoying the blessings with which You have bestowed, uh, which you have bestowed upon us. Father, we are thankful for the number that are here this morning to worship and honor You. We pray that everything we do glorifies and honor, honors You. We recognize, Father, that we are in a battle against this serpent of old, and we pray that You would strengthen us to overcome, to win the victory through You. We pray that You be with us as we study Your Word this morning, that our hearts will be open to what You have to say, that everything we learn will be directly from Your Word, that we'll add nothing to it and that we'll take nothing away from it. Father, it's unto You that we want glory, not unto ourselves. And we pray that we glorify You. In Christ's name, Amen. The very first thing that we recognize in Numbers chapter 21, as we look at overcoming this fiery serpent, the bite of the serpent kills. In Numbers chapter 21, and verse 6, the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. This was not just a nuisance. This was not just an inconvenience. These serpents meant certain death. And that is exactly the case with the serpent with which we deal. The serpent and his bite means certain death. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 warns us, Be sober of spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. He wants to kill us. And his bite equals certain death. He fires his flaming arrows as Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 16 warns us. And he leads us away with temptation. James chapter 1, beginning at verse 14. James said in James chapter 1 and verse 14, "...but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust, his own desire." Then when desire or lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is accomplished, brings forth death. That is always the case. There is never an exception. When we allow the serpent to grab hold of us, and we follow in the path of his temptation because of our desires... Death follows. This is not a nuisance. This is not an inconvenience. This is life and death. And it's something that happens to all of us. We remember Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 said the wages of sin are death. We have a serpent that is attacking us, just as the Israelites did. Very interestingly, however, when we go back to Numbers chapter 21, we find out that God did not remove the serpent 
He just provided the remedy. Look again in Numbers chapter 21. This time in Numbers chapter 21 and verse 6, verse 7, the people came to Moses and said, We've sinned because we've spoken against the Lord and you. Intercede with the Lord that He may remove the serpents from us. What did they want? They said, Get these serpents out of here. We want them gone. We can't handle this. They're killing us. But what did God give them? Did He remove the serpents? He only left the serpents. And we find in verse 8 that the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a standard, and it shall come about that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, he will live. That parallels our situation. The serpent is in the world. And when the serpent first made his attack in Genesis chapter 3, and Adam and Eve fell to the clutches of sin, and then mankind continued to follow after them, God did not remove the serpent. He's not taken away the temptation so that we will just live right. But He has provided the remedy for when we receive the serpent's bite. There in Genesis chapter 3, we find the cursing of the serpent and the punishment that was given to him. And it wasn't that he was removed, but in verse 15 he says in Genesis 3, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel we find the very first foreshadowing, prophetic element of the Scripture that talks about the coming Messiah that would do battle with the serpent of old and would give him a death blow. But the serpent was not removed. Only the remedy was given. And in Romans chapter 3 and verse 24, right after Paul had said to us that we've all sinned, In Romans chapter 3 and verse 24, Paul then pointed out that we can be justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in His blood through faith. This was to demonstrate His righteousness, because in the forbearance of God He passed over the sins previously committed. For the demonstration, I say, of His righteousness at the present time, so that He would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. God did not remove the serpent, but He provided the remedy. He provided Jesus. And when we look to Jesus and follow His way, just as those who looked at the serpent that was uplifted would be healed, so we can be healed. In fact, Jesus Himself Alluding back to this very event in John chapter 12 and verse 32. John chapter 12 and verse 32 says, If I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to Myself. Just as that serpent was placed upon the staff, Jesus was lifted up on the cross. And when we look to Jesus, we can live. God didn't remove the serpent, but He provided the remedy. As we go back to Numbers chapter 21, though, we also learn something very interesting about this remedy. We find that this remedy is unmerited, and yet, at the same time, it is conditional. We go back to Genesis chapter, excuse me, Numbers chapter 21 and verse 9. Moses made a bronze serpent. He set it on the standard, and it came about that if a serpent bit any man, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. I think we need to recognize, first of all, that this salvation, this healing, was by God's 
grace. I just want you to think about this for a moment. Here the Israelites are. They have rebelled against God again and again and again. They rebelled against God and He brought them through the Red Sea. They rebelled against God and He provided them water at Merah. They rebelled against God about the food and He gave them quail. they, They rebelled against God about the food and He gave them manna. They rebelled against God over and over again, but He continued to deliver them. And here, they've rebelled again. And in verse 4 and verse 5, why have you brought us out here to die? God's been delivering them all the way along, and yet again, they rebel one more time. And not only do they rebel, but they say, we're hungry and we're sick of this food that God's been giving us. And can you imagine that? And so God sends in the punishment. He sends the serpents that are going to kill them, the death that they deserve. And then He puts this bronze serpent on a standard. An Israelite out here is bitten, and he walks and he looks up to the standard, the the bronze serpent on the staff, and he's healed. How many of you believe that in that trek from wherever he was to looking at that staff, he earned forgiveness? And that was a lot of hard work to walk from one place to the other and take a look at that bronze serpent on the staff, don't you think? I think that for doing that work, God owes healing, don't you? Well, that's ludicrous, isn't it? These people were healed by God's grace. They didn't deserve it. They didn't earn it. If they were going to be healed, it was going to be because God looked down upon them and He bestowed a gift upon them that they did not deserve. It's grace. It was unmerited. They didn't earn it. They didn't deserve it. But they had to do something to get it. Who was healed in this verse? The one who looked at the serpent. Nobody else was healed. Only the ones who did what God said. And that's exactly the way it is for us today. If we're going to be saved, it is going to be by grace. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. In Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 8, the Scripture there reads, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Well, that sounds a lot like those folks in the wilderness, doesn't it? It was God's grace, but they had to believe. Who's going to look at the staff? Those who believe they'll be healed when they do it. By grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God and not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And these Israelites looked at the staff. Do you think they could boast to their friends? Yeah, I looked at the staff. That'd be silliness, wouldn't it? God owed me healing because I went and looked at the staff. The serpent. Of course not. And that's the same for us. We can come to church and worship God. We can do all manner of things in the Scripture, but if God saves us, it's going to be because He has bestowed grace upon us. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. And there's nothing that we can sit back and boast about and say, look at me and how awesome I am because of all this that I've done. We're only doing what we should have been doing to begin with. If we're going to be saved, it is going to be by God's grace. However, God has asked something of us. Just as He did those Israelites, He told them to go look at the serpent upraised on the staff. He tells us to follow Jesus. To do what He says. And what has Jesus said? We can look in Mark chapter 16. 
Mark chapter 16 and verse 16, Jesus, just before He ascended to the right hand of the Father, in Mark 16 and verse 16, He said, He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. Can you imagine Moses saying that to the Israelites? He who believes and looks at the serpent will be healed, but those who don't believe will not be healed. We'd understand that there, wouldn't we? In Luke chapter 24, in Luke chapter 24 and verse 47, Jesus said, Luke 24 and 47, that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in His name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. We've got to repent. If we're going to be saved, it's going to be by grace, but God asks something of us. We've got to repent. We can look in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, there Peter on the day of Pentecost said to those who said, What shall we do? He said, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. There was something they had to do. Acts chapter 22 and verse 16. In Acts chapter 22 and verse 16, as Ananias was talking to Paul, he said, Now, why do you delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. If his sins were going to be washed away, it was going to be by God's grace. There's no way he could earn it. There's no way he could deserve it. But he had to do something, didn't he? In Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Verses 9 and 10. Paul said, If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. We want to be saved. It's going to be by God's grace, but we've got to do something, don't we? Colossians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. Colossians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. Yet He has now reconciled you in His fleshly body through death, in order to present you before Him holy and blameless and beyond reproach, if indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. If we're going to be saved, it's going to be by God's grace, but we've got to do something. It's unmerited, but it is conditional. I want you just to picture for a moment, what if the situation with the serpents happened today in our modern era of religious confusion? And the serpents came among us, and God said, put that bronze serpent up on the staff, and those who believe and look at the staff will be healed, and those who don't believe will not. They'll die. Can you imagine all the debating that would take place today? Of course, there would be some who would tell us, no, it was predetermined by God from the beginning of time, those who would be healed and those who would not. So we don't have to do anything. It's unmerited. It's unconditional. There's not a single thing that we can do to be healed. It's just going to be whether or not God picked us in the primordial history. There would be others who would say, certainly there's something you've got to do. You've got to believe. And we are healed by faith. Only. And they would argue that certainly looking at the staff is important. It's the first step of obedience after you've been healed. It's an outward sign of inward healing. And I would certainly question the healing experience of anyone who refused to look at the serpent, but to claim that you actually have to go look at that thing in order to be healed. Oh, no. We're healed by faith alone. 
Of course, there would be some who would demand, yes, no, we've got to do exactly what God said. We've got to go look at the serpent. But after a while, there would be others who would get tired of proclaiming that. And they would divide off and they would say, well, who are we to tell people how to be healed? Healing is by God's grace. And God can heal anybody any way He chooses Who are we to say that somebody else might not be healed in some way other than what God had said? Now, I mean, if they ask me, yes, I'll tell them, you need to go look at the serpent. But who am I to say that God won't heal others some other way than He said in His Word? In that scenario, how long do you think all that arguing about that would last? I think I know how long it would last. It would last until all the people who were bitten by the serpent and didn't look died. And regrettably, when it comes to the issue of obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ, confessing our faith and repenting of our sins and being baptized for the remission of those sins, the arguing is going to last just that long. Until all those who have not submitted to the gospel been baptized for the remission of their sins based on their faith in Christ and repenting of their sins, die and stand before God in judgment, but regrettably it's going to be way too late for them there. It is unmerited. You can't earn it. But God expects us to do something. And the fourth thing that I see as a parallel in this passage is that it wasn't judgmental to proclaim the remedy. Can you imagine? Here's Steve and I. We're out in the field, and the serpent comes up, and it bites me. And Steve says, oh, Edwin, you're going to die. You need to go look at the serpent that Moses put up yesterday, because God said if you go look at it, you'll be healed. And then I looked at Steve. You are so judgmental, Steve. See, that's what's wrong with you bronze serpent lookers. You think you're the only ones that are going to be healed. I am sick and tired of all this judgmentalness going on around here telling all of us that if we want to be healed, we've got to go look at the serpents. Was it judgmental for Steve to tell me that I needed to go look at the serpent? Absolutely not. We're not the ones judging. When Israelites told their Israelite buddies who had been bitten by snakes to go look at the serpent, they weren't the ones doing the judging. God was the one who had been doing the judging. All they were doing was letting one another know, here's the remedy. That's not being judgmental. That's love. That's compassion. That's care. That's concern. tell you what would have been bad is for Steve to know that I could go look at the serpent on the staff and be healed and for him not to tell me. That would be bad. Because then I'd die. And the same is true today. I recognize, of course, that there are always going to be those who think that we're being judgmental by simply saying, let's just go back to the Bible. And yes, I believe we've got to be tactful. I believe we've got to be loving. 
But we've got to tell folks what the Bible says because they've been bit by the serpent. And until they go to Jesus, they are going to die. And it's not judgmental to proclaim the remedy. It's love. We need to be proclaiming the remedy. We're in a battle against a serpent. But we can't overcome. Because God has provided the remedy. And the remedy is Jesus. And we need to look to Jesus. Because only He will save us. And we will only be saved by going His way. I want to thank you again for joining us at the Franklin Church of Christ as we've studied God's Word. Let's remember what we learned in this lesson. Number one, the bite of the fiery serpent kills. Number two, God has not removed the serpent, but He has provided the remedy. Number three, the remedy is conditional, yet it is unmerited. Number four, it is not judgmental to proclaim God's one and only remedy. I certainly hope this lesson has been helpful to you. If you have any questions about how to overcome the fiery serpent, about how to submit to God and His plan for our salvation and redemption, or about the Franklin Church of Christ, please contact us by calling 615-794-2359. Or you can contact us through our website at www.franklinchurchofchrist.com. No dashes, no spaces www.franklinchurchofchrist.com I also invite you to join us in any number of studies. If you've been given this lesson on a CD or on a tape by a friend, feel free to get onto our website and look up the outlines and audios of many other lessons and sermons that we have there. Again, that's franklinchurchofchrist.com May God richly bless you as you strive to overcome the fiery serpent. But most of all, may you richly bless God.